As far back as I can remember, I've been interested in voodoo. Whether it was Jimi Hendrix. Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. The band Ween. Or D'Angelo's album Voodoo. The word, even before I knew what it meant, has always had a hold on me. I'm Sam Benny, and this podcast is part of the World Ethnography Project. In this episode, I'll be talking about Zora Neale Hurston's book, Tell My Horse, Voodoo and Life in Haiti and Jamaica, which delves deeply into the history and ceremonies of voodoo and other Haitian and Jamaican religious rites. When Hurston wrote Tell My Horse, which was published in 1938, approximately 2% of Jamaica was white, and quote, the other 98% all degrees of mixture between white and black. Hurston wrote that there is a frantic stampede white word to escape from Jamaica's black mass. One must remember that Jamaica has slavery in her past, and it takes many generations for the slave derivatives to get over their awe for the master kind. The so-called stampede white word is so ingrained in the black population that, according to Hurston, black skin is so utterly condemned that a black mother is not going to be mentioned or exhibited. You get the impression that these Englishmen do not require women to reproduce. They just come to Jamaica, scratch out a nest, and lay eggs that turn into pink Jamaicans. Hence the title of the chapter, The Rooster's Nest. However, Hurston wrote that the black people of Jamaica were beginning to respect themselves, and that the rooster's nest is bound to be less glamorous in the future. Later, Hurston visits the Maroons at Akampong, which is the oldest settlement of freedmen in the Western world, where she learns about duppies, malevolent spirits, visits the godwood tree, which is apparently the first tree ever made, according to the residents, sees a medicine man stop frogs on the mountain from chirping, and goes on a hog hunt that lasts several days. She also meets a child called Little Tim, who's abused because his family and the community thinks he'll become a criminal if they don't treat him harshly. In Jamaica... Any form of goodbye during funeral services is taboo, even to the extent that no one says goodbye when they part from each other. Hurston specifically covers a funeral ceremony called Nine Night, which stems from the belief that there is no death, that, quote, activities are merely changed from one condition to the other. Nine Night was made to force duppies, malevolent spirits, to stay in their graves. Otherwise, they're capable of doing all kinds of evil. What nine night means is that every night, for nine nights, a wake is held at the grave to stop the duppy from coming out. But every night except the first and ninth are attended solely by the deceased's family. On the ninth night, everyone in the village comes and a large party is held, but no salt is added to the food because it either weighs the duppy down or makes the duppy upset because duppies don't need anything to, quote, temper their victuals since they aren't alive anymore. The reason is unclear, 
based on the many explanations people gave Zora Neale Hurston. But eventually, during the heat of the final funeral ceremony, a man named Zachariah sacrifices a goat and drinks its blood. The book's focus on the supernatural beliefs in the Caribbean carries over into part two, where Hurston writes extensively about voodoo in Haiti. Voodoo is the old, old mysticism of the world in African terms, Hurston writes. Voodoo gods are called Loa. There are two classes of gods, the Rada, which are good, and the Petro, which are evil. There are so many Loa that no one knows all their names, and every major section of Haiti has their own variations. The most powerful god is Dambala, whose symbol is the serpent. Dambala and Rada gods only do good things for good people, but are slow and lacking in power. Petro gods are terrible, wicked, powerful, and quick. A male voodoo priest is called a hungan, and a priestess is called a mambo. But extrapolating religious roles isn't the most important thing about voodoo to me. I'm much more interested in the supernatural practices, ceremonies, and happenings. Hurston wrote that no one can stay in Haiti long without hearing zombies mentioned in one way or another. And the fear of this thing and all that it means seeps over the country like a ground current of cold air. The way people become zombies has to do with the Bokor, the evil version of a Hungan, who turns dead people into walking, breathing, mindless work machines. Hurston recounts stories of people finding a loved one who they thought was dead working on the docks and not recognizing who found them. Hurston even runs into one herself and takes pictures of her, even though she apparently died 15 years prior. The main obsession with voodoo, as with many religions, seems to be death. Not just of humans, but animals as well. There's a lot of chicken and goat killing in the ceremonies Hurston describes in Tell My Horse. A lot of fearing the dead, and simultaneously wanting them to be back somehow. There's a secret cannibalistic society she discovers called the Sect Rouge. There's an entire chapter dedicated to poison, which actually describes recipes for some of them, including graveyard dirt and horse hair. The god of the people of Haiti, named Gide, lives in the graveyard. He mounts like a horse or possesses people to get them to say whatever he wants. And every time he does so, he starts the sentence with, quote, Tell my horse. Here's a passage from the book. Chapter 15. Tell my horse. Gods always behave like the people who make them. One can see the hand of the Haitian peasant in that boisterous god, Gide, because he does and says the things that the peasants would like to do and say. You can see him in the market women, in the domestic servant who now and then appears before her employer, quote, mounted by this god who takes occasion to say many stinging things to the boss. You can see him in the field hand and certainly in the group of women about a public well or spring, chattering, gossiping, and dragging out the shortcomings of their employers and the people like him. Nothing in Haiti is quite so obvious as that this loa is the deification of the common people of Haiti. The mulattoes give this spirit no food and pay it no attention at all. He belongs to the blacks and the uneducated blacks at that. He is a hilarious divinity and full of the stuff of burlesque. This manifestation comes as near a social criticism of the classes by the masses as anything in all Haiti. Gide has another distinction. It is the one loa which is entirely Haitian. There is neither European nor African background for it. It sprang up, or was called up by some local need, 
and now is firmly established among the blacks. The apparel of this god is in keeping with his people. He likes to dress himself in an old black overcoat, a torn old black hat with a high crown and worn out black pants. He loves to smoke a cigar. He cavorts about, making coarse gestures, executing steps like the prancing of a horse, drinking and talking. His drink is very special. This god likes clarin, well seasoned with hot peppers, to which powdered nutmeg is added at times. He also drinks pure clarin, that raw white rum of Haiti. There is no real service or ritual for Gide. One places a circle of 20 white candles about the cross dedicated to him. The people who created Gide needed a god of derision. They needed a spirit which could burlesque the society that crushed him. So Gide eats roasted peanuts and parched corn like his devotees. He delights in an old coat and pants and a torn old hat. So dressed and fed, he bites with sarcasm and slashes with ridicule the class that despises him. But for all his simple requirements, Gide is a powerful loa. He has charge of everyone within the regions of the dead, and he presides over all that is done there. He is a grave digger and opens the tombs, and when he wishes to do so, he takes out the souls and uses them in his service. Gide is never visible. He manifests himself by mounting a subject as a rider mounts a horse. Then he speaks and acts through his mount. The person mounted does nothing of his own accord. He is the horse of the loa until the spirit departs. Under the whip and guidance of the spirit rider, the quote horse does and says many things that he or she would never have uttered unridden. Tell my horse, the loa begins to dictate through the lips of his mounts and goes on and on. Sometimes Gide dictates the most caustic and belittling statements concerning some pompous person who is present. With such behavior, one is forced to believe that some of the valuable commentators are mounted by the spirit and that others are fanning possession in order to express their resentment in general and particular. That phrase, tell my horse, is in daily, hourly use in Haiti, and no doubt it is used as a blind for self-expression. There are often many drunken people in the cemeteries who claim to be mounted. The way to differentiate between the persons really mounted and the frauds is to require them to swallow some of the drink of Gide and to wash their whole face in it. The faker will always draw back because he fears to get that raw rum and hot pepper in his eyes, while the subject really mounted will do it. They do it without being told, and it never seems to injure them. So one is forced to the conclusion that a great deal of the Gide mounts have something to say and lack the courage to say it except under the cover of brave Gide. My only semblance of a critique for Tell My Horse is that Hurston doesn't critique the religion she's documenting. Though I don't feel it would have been necessary, and the book does a fantastic job of presenting the events she sees as they are, there wasn't much talk about the toll voodoo must take on its practitioners. Living in fear of so many things, of an evil priest turning you or a loved one into a zombie, of being possessed by gods and so on, must have some negative mental consequences, after all. Hurston does write about how cruel Haitians are to animals and how cruel some Jamaicans were to a boy, but doesn't explore how voodoo might affect its believers. That being said, I still think Tell My Horse is an amazing book, certainly worth reading if you're interested in voodoo or even just life in Haiti and Jamaica. Once again, this has been part of the World Ethnography Project. Thank you for listening. Okay,